Hey everyone, it's Caleb, and welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. I'm so grateful that you've decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me. And today, I am talking with John Cooper, who is the, the vocalist, the lead vocalist, bassist, and uh, really one of the original members of the band Skillet. And we're going to get into that, and we're going to uh, cover a gamut of so many different things that we're talking about. Um, from what he's learned for doing it for over 25 years to uh, his latest book, which, or in his first book, which has come out called Awaken Alive to Truth. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But if, if this happens to be your first time listening to the Learner's Corner podcast, I want to tell you a little bit about the podcast. You know, here we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations because if you're like me, you've probably gone throughout life and you may have realized that you can't talk with anyone about you know, just any sort of subject because uh, maybe you're afraid or maybe you have experienced backlash for bringing up certain topics, for asking certain questions about different subjects. And you've quickly realized, oh, there are certain people that I can talk with these things about and there are certain people that I can't talk with these things about. And it's really tough if you're kind of going throughout life and you may not have someone that you feel like you could talk with anything about. And so if you don't have that person, I hope that the Learner's Corner can maybe be some comfort, some encouragement to you to maybe help you feel like, oh, hey, I'm not the only one who thinks this way. Or I'm not the only one uh, who wants to continue to learn about things uh, no matter what they are, no matter um, no matter anything like that. In fact, that's kind of one of the mantras of the podcast here is that we believe that we can learn from anyone and everyone from anything and everything, and that we don't have to agree with anyone, or we don't have to agree with someone in order to learn from them. We don't have to agree with everything that someone says in order to learn from them. And so I'm so excited that you've decided to spend some of your time here uh, with us on the Learner's Corner podcast as well. And before we dive into the conversation with John Cooper, I love recommending just some of the things that I'm learning from, some of the people that I'm learning from, some of the, the podcasts, the books, the articles, all of that stuff that uh, that is just really challenging me right now. And for me, one of the biggest things that I've learned or one of the, the recent podcast episodes that I've been listening to or that I listened to that really has challenged me in a new way is from the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to. I listen to the podcast regularly. And he did an interview uh, uh, several weeks ago with, uh, Tim Keller. And the the episode is called Tim Keller on rethinking his beliefs about suffering, what cancer is teaching him, and how culture is changing in the future of the church. And the thing that he talks about in there that really got me thinking is how um, is how as it concerns the kingdom of God, as it concerns followers of Jesus, one of the things that we really need to be paying attention to is where are we placing our identity and where are we placing, where are we looking to for our value in that? And he talks about some of the different uh, areas that we tend to do that, whether that be um, uh, nationalism or whether it be in our individualism or just anywhere that we are we are placing to placing placing uh just where we're looking to for identity. And so that's one of the things that has really challenged me over the past several weeks is looking through that. And you know, for me being a follower of Jesus, realizing that the only thing, the only person that has that 
should, you know, determine my identity as that of Jesus and that he should be ultimately where I'm finding my identity and nothing else. And so it's something that has really got me thinking of, that has just really got me thinking recently. And so that is my recommended resource of the week. Now, let me tell you about uh, another person that we're going to be learning from today. As I mentioned earlier, today my guest is John Cooper, and John is the lead vocalist, bassist, and songwriter producer for Skillet, which is one of the best-selling rock bands of the 21st century. The two-time Grammy Award-nominated 12-time platinum band has recently been invited into Pandora's Billionaire Club after garnering over uh, 2 billion streams. They've received a pair of Grammy Award uh, nominations. They have uh, sold over 12 million albums worldwide, taking a... uh, They have won a Billboard Music Award, uh, as long as many other awards as well. Their breakout single, Monster, remains one of the most streamed rock songs of all time with over 285 million global audio streams. He is also the host of his own podcast, Cooper Stuff Podcast, and he has partnered with Z2 Comics to create Skillet's first graphic novel, Eden. He is also the new author of this brand new book called Awake and Alive to Truth, And I'm really excited to be bringing this conversation to you. Uh, Skillet, especially growing up uh, in in high school and in college, was one of my favorite bands. And so I was really excited to get the opportunity to talk with him and just learn so much from his experience uh, of just being a part of Skillet and even just some of his thoughts that he's uh, put out in Awake and Alive to Truth. So without any further wait, here is my conversation with John Cooper from Skillet. Well, John, so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. What is up, brother? Yeah, and just as we get started, you know, you have uh, this brand new book, which has come out a couple of months ago called Waking Alive to Truth, and I want to talk with you about that. But there's just a couple of things that I wanted to ask you just before that, just about like your longevity with Skillet and everything and just what you've learned through that process. And so... One of the things that I was really curious to ask you about is, you know, you've been in Skillet for, you know, around 25 years, which is not the normal thing whenever it comes to the band life that it seems like. And I would just love to know your thoughts on, like, what have you learned through being in a band for 25 years that maybe you wouldn't have learned if you were in several different bands over the past 25 years? Sure, sure. Let's see. 25 years sounds like a long time, doesn't it? <laughs> 25 years. Yeah, I mean, the uh, you know, the amount of, um, well, first of all, we're just very blessed. Yeah. Most people are not, you know, five years, six years, seven years. 25 is almost unheard of. And Skillet is, I won't waste your time, but it is a very miraculous story. The unexpected rise of uh, of skillet that, that sustained is bizarre. It's honestly just, in my view, there's only one explanation, which is like, that's what God wanted. Yeah. That's what he did. Um, but, you know, you also got to remember this for people listening. You got to think about the amount of, of technology that has changed in 25 years. When my band first started, 
I suppose the internet existed, but I had never heard of the internet before. I mean, it was 1996 and uh, I had never heard of a website. I had never heard of uh, the idea of listening to music on, uh, on a computer. I would have said you are stupid. <laughs> I would have said that'll never happen. You know, and, like that'll happen whenever like robots are created, like human serving robots that come and you know, cook dinner for you or something. But you know, there's been so much change. The game has changed night and day from what it was 25 years ago. And I guess what I've learned is that you just have to, you have to have this tension. The tension is A, I have to be able to change with the times to understand that there are things that are new and that they can actually get you farther if you just are willing to embrace them and learn something new. It's difficult to learn a new skill. But the other side of the tension is you have to keep what is authentic about you. You have to keep what's what made somebody first go, I love that band. Like, I believe in that band. I believe what he's saying. And that's not easy to do when you write music and when you perform. It's not just about the song. It's about you. You're selling yourself. You're selling your personality or you're selling what you believe in. You're selling something. People need need to believe in you. And if they buy into you, you can't lose that for the full 25 years. If you're lucky enough, 35 (laughs) years, if you're really lucky, you can't lose who you are. And I would say that the thing that most identifies Skillet, obviously, is going to be our steadfastness, that we are unashamed of the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. Everything in life is about is about Jesus Christ and everything is about serving him. And you take that away and I've got nothing to live for. That's the entire identity of the band um, of my life. But yeah. I'm saying this in terms of the band. That's the entire identity. You take Jesus out of the picture and, and there's nothing left. So that's what we've tried to yeah. do. What's helped you manage that tension that you were talking about? Uh, probably, well, my yeah. wife. <laughs> my wife has helped a lot because the truth is, is that I'm very good at the authenticity part. Uh, that's not bragging. That's just, I'm good at that because I'm, I believe it. That's who I yeah. am. What I'm horrible at is the other side. I hate trying new things. I hate, I, I'm like the last person to go. They're like, oh, I still don't have online banking. That ought to give you an idea of how much I hate trying new stuff. But my wife is like, John, Stop being afraid. She's not afraid of anything. So my wife, Corey, who of course is in the band, she embraces the new thing. She does it. And then eventually I go, oh, wow, that's that's a much better way to do that. And then I find she teaches me three years after I've put up a fight not wanting to learn. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what, what are some of the other big, you know, I don't know if you would call them lessons or just things that you've learned in your time being in Skillet? Well, I think that people react to authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, art art is like that, isn't it? You know, I, I a lot of people have v- differing views on what makes good art. And obviously, I don't want to offend anybody when I say this, but if everybody could put on their hat, not your Christian hat, but let's put on your subjective hat that says subjectively what constitutes good art. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is that There's some art that I would say is good art that I find offensive, but it is subjectively good because it's provoking, right? It's shocking. It's offensive. It gets me thinking about it. And if you're thinking about someone else's music, then that means your, your brain space is being taken up 
with someone else's thoughts. I would call that good art. And so that authenticity has made me realize that if I make somebody really mad because of my stand for Christ, well, that's okay. That's good art, yeah. right? If I make somebody really mad, I, their brain space is being taken up with my thoughts. And I hope and I pray to God that my thoughts actually derive not from me, but from the Holy Spirit, from the word of God. And so that means their brain space, I hope, is being taken up with, in some way, a seed of the word of God. And you never know what God might do with that seed. That, that's up, up to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So I've learned that to be truly authentic, you can't be afraid. And you have to know you're going to make some people mad. Uh, you know, I, um, there's a producer I worked with called Howard Benson, secular producer. And he used to say to me that when you write a song, this is good wisdom. He's much older than me. And I've held on to this. This is good wisdom. All you songwriters out there. He'd say, it's better to be, to write a song that someone hates than to write a song that someone has no opinion of. Because what's worse than somebody hating you? Someone being indifferent towards you, not, not even caring if you're around. Your existence doesn't really matter to me one way or the other. That's how little you mean to me. But if someone hates you, that's, that, you know, that, that's derived from a place of passion. And passion is better than indifference. So there's a good lesson for all you songwriters out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned that authenticity tends to come pretty naturally to you right now. Was there ever a time to where it didn't come naturally? Um, I would say no. And probably sometimes my parents would say that that was not a good thing. <laughs> it's my my biggest strength and my biggest weakness. I was always myself. Yeah. Was the way it is. No, but uh, it... it truthfully does come naturally to me. Part of that is probably just an extroverted nature. Um, but part of that is that I hope and I pray that that there's a measure of humility involved in that. You know, when you're truly vulnerable, you have to be humble enough to, to not take yourself too seriously. And if someone sees the real me and goes, oh, John's not actually as smart as I thought he was. Who cares? It's not about me. You know, he's actually a little bit this than I thought, well, that doesn't matter. It ain't about me. So authenticity comes naturally for me. Um, another thing that I've learned, and this is, this will never, ever go old. Yeah. It's old wisdom is that hard work, hard work will pay off. I just think that's it. Hard work's going to pay off. And if you're not willing to do the hard work, then you're not going to thrive. Now that's just a principle written into the universe. It's a biblical principle, of course, but that is a principle written into the universe, whether you're Christian or not Christian. If you are not willing to work hard, then you are not going to thrive. And even if, oh, this is also good. Even if God chooses to bless you with things that you did not work for, you won't appreciate those things because working is part of the appreciation. It's part of what makes your joy complete because we were created to work. So there you go. That's good. You know, you you had mentioned that uh, sometimes your authenticity can be a weakness. How can you tell for you whenever your authenticity is being a weakness for you? Here, this is the problem with extroverted people <laughs> is that we can't recognize it until someone tells us, like your dad or like your wife, or like your kids, your kids are like, what are you saying? Like, oh, is this one of those times when I stepped over the line? My wife is like texting me. Yes, it is. 
There you uh, go. Yeah. You just offended everyone. <laughs> oh, sorry. I I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned uh you mentioned hard work and you mentioned, you know, trying new things while still being authentic to you. Is there anything else that you would say, hey, these are some of the things that helped get skillet to where they are today, outside of obviously, you know, like the favor and the blessing of God? Well, authenticity helps for a, a lot of things, not to keep going back to that, but a lot of the lessons I've learned would would be based on that. It would be treating your fans well. I mean, a lot of these are very simple and, and they're very obvious, except that a lot of people don't do them. Mm-hmm. Now, just to be clear, Proverbs is the same way. The book of Proverbs is stuff that you read it. You're like, yeah, that, that makes good sense, but it's such truth that if you actually believe it and do it, you, you'll you'll live in the truth of it. A lot of bands don't know that, hey, you got to treat your fans good. And if you see your fans out at the merch table or at McDonald's at, after a show or whatever, and they want to take a photo with you, you need to drop what you are doing because your business does not exist without that person at McDonald's that comes mm-hmm. up to you. You know, you have to treat your fans good. And if you have a deeper meaning to your band as, as Skillet does, because I believe God's called me to do music to spread the, the news of Jesus Christ, well, then in the end, not only does that person that you meet at McDonald's or after the show or wherever, um, not only are they keep keeping your business running, that is a person that matters to God. And this is my opportunity to, to show that person that just because I'm a, quote, rock star, or maybe somebody thinks I'm famous or are cool or whatever, um, th- that that true humility realizes that if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, then you have to be the least in the kingdom of God. That That's a truth that you cannot get around, and you don't need to think of yourself more highly than you should. That's a great sin in the eyes of God, and it'll wreck your life. And so all of those lessons really revolve around a theological word for it would be sanctification, yeah. holiness, you know, the process of becoming holy, becoming more like Christ. But they also are, they're just life lessons that anyone can learn if you just put Proverbs into practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things uh, that just as we've been talking about authenticity, um, I would just love your thoughts on, have you seen like a connection maybe between like authenticity and like the hope that you're able to give people? Um, and if and if not, that's okay. But I was just thinking, like you know, uh, one one of the songs that you know I uh, I first encountered you guys with was the last night, you know, on your Comatose album. And I was just thinking of like what a hopeful song that is. But it is also a very authentic song. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I I do I do have thoughts on that. I think writing this is probably what I was where I had started in my head and never got to on when I was talking about good yeah. art. something that's authentic. When someone writes a song about something that is real to them, even if the song is offensive, you know, maybe you take a band like Nine Inch Nails, which is a famous band when I was in high school. Nine Inch Nails has these greatly offensive songs, but when I hear Trent Reznor sing them, I go, I think he believes that. I think he believes what he's saying. Johnny Cash is another example of that. Mm -hmm. Johnny Cash sings these lyrics that are so dark but I think he believes them. And it is the power of his belief that makes good art to me. Now, what that matters for Christianity, if you're writing Christian music, which I hope that listeners will be, 
maybe worship songs or whatever it is. You have to write from your own experience and something that you actually believe if you want that song to have power. If you want it to have that sort of power, then you have to believe what you're singing. And that is why, for me personally, I never get bored singing my songs <laughs> live because I, when I sing the songs live, I'm like, I, I believe that. That's a lyric that I believe. That's a lyric that I still would uh, resonate with. I still would, if it's a song where I was asking God for something, I still ask God for that thing today. So it's still real to me. And and writing songs that matter to you is is really important. And I think that the audience can smell a fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just as you were talking, one of the thing, another thing that I thought of was just how, um, and and you may not classify your music as this, and if not, that's okay. But I I would kind of view your your music as kind of like go with me to this worship music as well, because you're singing songs about. God, obviously, it's more of like the rock genre of it. Um, and it, do, do you disagree on that, first of all? Because if so, then... <laughs> if, if so, I've ruined all of your follow-up questions. <laughs> At least the next follow-up question, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I would actually say... I would actually say it's a very subjective question. Yeah. Now, a lot of other people have said that to me. What I usually hear is people say, not that it's worship music, but that sometimes our music makes other people have a worshipful heart. Almost like that music puts me in a worship frame of mind. I've heard that from a lot of people. and, and But I think it's kind of subjective. I think what people pick up on is that there is a life I hope it's the life of the Holy Spirit in our music yeah. that people that people resonate with. And sometimes they may say that feels like worship or inspirational or fill in the blank. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I think is really cool about Skillet is, you know, you mentioned that you're in the band with your wife, Corey, as well. And you've been in this band for, you know, like over 20, 20 years together. 20, 25 wow. years. Oh wow. my gosh. And so I just wanted to ask, like, what are some things that you've learned that have just helped you both just manage, you know, being in a band together and yet still be husband and wife and just managing that tension? Hmm. You know, I probably would give a very foundational answer. If you haven't noticed already for people listening, I'm a very foundational guy. Uh, Everything comes down to a foundation for me. It's usually a simple but profound foundation. I think what's really great I've learned this from the Puritans, by the way. The Puritans were excellent about this, is realizing that God wants to be uh, not just our Savior, in which Jesus Christ is our Savior, right? Mm -hmm. You agree with that. God is our Father, right? But Jesus wants to be our Lord. And what being Lord means, and this is a really amazing concept, is that He is the supreme ruler of your life. And if he's a supreme ruler of your life, then what that means is that if you right now would break your life down into categories, right? So I would break my life into this, John, father, husband, singer, songwriter, um, person who cleans the bathrooms (laughs) at home, the person who vacuums the floor, owns a business. You break your life into categories, right? Mm -hmm. We all do this. And what this means is that Jesus Christ wants to be the Lord of every aspect of your life. He doesn't want to just be the Lord of your life in terms of salvation once you die. 
He wants to be the Lord of your life now. That means he's the Lord of your thought life. He's the Lord of what you watch on your TV and on your phone. He is the Lord of your marriage. He's the Lord of your parenting, so on and so forth. And that means, and this is to me where I get really excited, is that I have an opportunity in every aspect of my life to bring glory to the one who created me and to the one who has recreated me into his own image by taking each aspect of my life that I just mentioned and saying, Jesus, you're the Lord of this. The only reason I'm married is to bring glory to your name. It's not for my own fulfillment, not because I, I just want to fall in love. I want to have the, I want to have the feels. The feels are really great. It's a blessing from God, but that's not why I'm married. I'm married for the glory of God. Why do I have kids? Because it's a longing. I thought, well, the longing fulfilled is really nice, but that's not why you have kids. You have kids in order to bring glory to the creator. And so I would tell people on a very foundational level, if you want to be a good husband one day or a good wife one day, then you have to do it for the glory of God. And once you do it for the glory of God, it becomes less about you and your feelings and making sure that my wife meets my every single need. I'm having a bad day. Where's my wife? Come, you know, come fill me up. Uh, you know, my, my job isn't going the way I really want it to. Where's my wife? Come tell me it's going to be okay. I know, no, Jesus fulfills all those things for me. And then I get to be an image of Christ to my wife. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? And that is in serving. That's what Christ does. He serves. So we serve each other. So in doing that, you're keeping the rock star and the husband and the father all in its individual perspectives, learning how to be a servant of all in order to bring glory to God. And then all of life falls into place. I'm not saying I always do that well, but that is the goal. And when I do it, it's truly a fulfilling, wonderful expression of, of worship. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're, you know, working on like writing a song or even, or even it could be in the case for, you know, this book, or I know that you've done some uh, comics as well. I wanted to ask, what helps you decide, hey, this is like, this is something that I'm seeing that I want to write a song about, or maybe I want to, you know, do a podcast about or anything like that? Oh, you know, it, it comes in different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, as I mentioned, I like to write about something that, that I, that I, um, that affects me, you know, so that could be a conversation with a friend or a family, you know, my wife yeah. or my kids. But I've also written songs that were based on, what's the word, um, fan interactions. Yeah. They were fan stories. There was somebody that came up to me and they said, I just want to tell you what's happened in my life. And I was so moved by that, that I wrote a song that really was inspired by that conversation. So that happens to me. And I like writing songs about things that I feel, things that I believe in. It could also be a book I, I read. I'm a, I'm a, I'm just consumer of books. Yeah. I read all the time and I study all the time. And whenever something really gets me excited, yeah. really gets me excited, <laughs> I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to include that in a song sometime. I don't know how. I don't know how. And, and here's an example. Uh, uh, I was watching The Hulk. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the one with, uh, with uh, oh gosh, Abomination was yeah. the villain. Yep, yep. 
is, is a great, great film. I'm watching the Hulk and I'm watching the bad guy. Remember the bad guy was oh, yeah. taking all those shots. He was pumping himself up and he started getting sick. Like his body was rejecting it. And he was getting all crazy. And somebody says, you don't look so good. How do you feel? And he looks at him. He's all creepy. And he says, like a monster. <laughs> and I thought, ah. Oh, I want to write a song called Monster. <laughs> I feel like a monster too. I know what that feels yeah. like when you had a bad day and you came home from work and you you took it out on your kids and you didn't mean to, but you just yelled at your kids for no reason because you're a sinful moron and you don't want to be that monster. So I wrote a song about it. That happens to me a lot. Yeah. I got, I mean, I got to ask right now, what is getting you excited or what's affecting you right now? Well, I read a lot more books than watch films these days. Yeah. And, you know, I'm having a, a wonderful time reading a book that there's probably only three books I've ever read twice. Okay. And I'm reading a book right now. The author is called E. Stanley Jones. If anybody wants to check it out, the name of the book is The Unshakable Kingdom and The Unchanging Person. I read it in 1999. And I was so impacted by this book in 1999 that I wrote multiple songs based on the book. Cause I was said, I got that. Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. I got to write a song about it. And those songs would have been best kept secret from a record that came out in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a song called you're powerful. That was also on that same album. And then there was a song called come on to the future all on one record that's how much I love this book. And about two months ago, I started feeling this like thing in my heart, like, I want to read that book again. I wonder if I will like it now as much as I did then. And I do. It is a, an amazing book. So I read a lot of books and I read a lot of books about culture as well, mm -hmm. seeing what is happening in the world and why it is so different than the Christian life. And if I see what is happening in the world, then I know that un in understanding the Bible, that I could speak truth to the world. And, and those are the things that, that really get me going right now. Yeah. What's something that you're reading about culture right now? I'm reading multiple books. Oh my gosh. Um, I just got done reading a book. There's an author, a secular author called Shelby Steele. Mm -hmm. And he, he wrote a book that I love called White Guilt. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty uh, eye-opening book. And he has a new book called Shame. And he writes about cultural issues. He's a poet. He, uh, he's not literally a poet. He's a very poetical writer. He's probably in his 80s. He's black. And he writes a lot about our race problems in America. And he grew up in the civil rights era. And he, he's been able to see a lot of various abuses and bring them down into a political vision. And, and I found it very compelling. And, and especially with all the race stuff yeah. that we have going on right now, he's very much a voice for reason in it. And uh, I would definitely recommend Shelby Steele. And if you don't like to read, I just listened to an amazing podcast episode with Shelby Steele on the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. Mm -hmm. So go look up Dinesh D'Souza he has an episode with Shelby Steele that came out last week. Awesome. Uh, before we turn and I start asking you about Awaken Alive uh, to Truth, I did want to ask, and I think we've touched on it a little bit, but you know, Skillet has experienced like a ton of success as a band. What are some of the things that has helped you like navigate experiencing success and not necessarily letting it get to your head? 
oh, there's so many important <laughs> things. And, and these are life lessons, not just for musicians. Anybody listening, you could apply this to your life. I mean, the fact that that Skillet has always made it a priority to be a part of a church, that might sound really silly to some people, but what happens a lot of times is that whether you're a Christian band or a Christian speaker or like an itinerant speaker is what you would call that, a lot of times people like that don't have local churches. So you basically are like an island and the only person you ever listen to is yourself or your band members and you begin to all think alike and you don't know when you begin to veer off course. Being a part of a local church is really necessary because you have the, I would call it, you have counsel, right? You have the counsel of God. It's not just you. You have elders, you have pastors, you have church leaders, you have maybe small group leaders, you have friends, and all together, we have the mind of Christ. Uh, There's the scripture that says that we have the mind of Christ, but Part of that means that it's not just you doing your own thing. When the body of Christ comes together, then there should be unity in the spirit of God. And so I would say this because I know a lot of Christians don't aren't a part of a church. That is a dangerous way for you to go and veer off to a site you shouldn't be. That has kept Skillet very, very grounded. And uh, I sometimes make a joke and I say one of the other things that helped was that you know, we were, nobody knew who Skillet was for the first decade. So, you know, being unsuccessful will bring a lot of humility yeah. to you. If you ever, if you thought you were good, all you got to do is look at the record sales. It ain't going so good. But it, I think that that, that, that lack of success makes you have to work harder. Yeah. And as you begin to work harder, you begin to appreciate you know, what God does. The last thing I would just say, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. Some people might get really annoyed about this, but honestly, honest to God, reading the Bible and understanding the Bible will fix all of your problems. Reading the Bible will teach you that it is not about you. It's about God. And if you have talent, if you're the most talented singer God ever created, that gift doesn't even belong to you. That gift belongs to God and he can take it away like that. The gift is actually belongs to him and I am a steward of it. And if in stewarding it, I begin to worship the gift and worship myself, that is such an offense to God. This is just good Bible Bible truth. So I would always tell people, read the Bible. The Bible <laughs> is, is life. The Bible will keep you in line, son. Yeah, yeah. Uh- just as you were talking, it made me think, you know, you've talked about the importance of, you know, connecting with your fans and valuing your fans and then being unplugged into a church and reading the Bible. Is there any, like, those aren't, those are things that I think people would go, yeah, 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 I, I know to do that, but maybe we underestimate the importance of it. Is there anything else that you would go, you know what, like, you cannot underestimate the power of this and what has helped to get you to where you are today? Um, I actually would bring the answers together. And just so people don't think that I'm being trite, I will, I will answer it like this. Mm-hmm. It's the same way with anything in life. Anything you want to do well in life, you will have to do it by radically applying the basics. It's the stuff you learned in 101. All you do is you apply it radically. Mm-hmm. Typically, whoever applies it more radically is going to see more success. It's that way with everything. People, 
but but that but we don't like to do that because that requires discipline. What we want is a magic fix. We we do that with working out, don't we? Yeah. Everybody knows if you want to lose weight, you stop eating everything that tastes good. Everything that God created that tastes wonderful, don't ever eat it again. Yeah. And whoever applies that principle the most radically is going to lose the most weight. But we don't want the hard part. We want the easy row. So we go, I know, but is there a new workout that I can do that's going to give me six-pack mm -hmm. abs? Nothing's going to give you six-pack abs if you keep eating donuts. So the problem is, is that we don't want, we don't want the simple truths because the simple ones are hard. It's the same way with business. It's the same way with uh, with a marriage relationship. It's the same way with parenting. It's the same thing with honestly with anything. You have to radically apply the stuff that you probably know. <laughs> mm, that's good. Uh, I want to go back to something that you mentioned a little bit earlier. You, you know, you talk, you've talked about the importance of foundation a lot. Can you just talk a little bit more about that and like what maybe what led you to like understanding the importance of that? Mm. Well, the book, um, this is kind of tied into the yeah. book that you mentioned. So the book is called Awake and Alive to Truth. Now, I should also mention, you can only get the book on my website. Everybody needs to go get <laughs> the book, get it for a friend, get it for a kid, get it for somebody who's struggling in their faith because there's a lot of people struggling in their faith. Mm -hmm. And this book is so simple, but it is, I call it theology for dummies <laughs> because it's only a hundred pages. I'm not an academic person, but I, I, I can understand this book. My kids can understand it. JohnLCooper.com. That's where you got to go. JohnLCooper.com. This is the entire reason I wrote the book, mm -hmm. why it is so important to have foundations because we are in a time the last decade, 2010 to 2000 now, <laughs> right? The last decade has been a foundation crushing decade. And if you know any, anybody listening, if you know anybody that used to be one way and now is a completely different person, maybe they used to be a Christian and now they're an atheist. Maybe they used to be your best friend and now they're, they're so into drugs that you don't even recognize who they are anymore. They used to be in love, now they're divorced. This has been a year of that sort of radical transformation. And, and if your people listening are young, you need to understand this is not normal. It has not been this way for the decades leading up to this. Marriage rates are down. Divorce rates are up. People aren't having kids anymore. Suicide rates have skyrocketed. Depression rates have skyrocketed. The amount of people leaving Christianity, and when I say leaving Christianity, I don't mean somebody that's like, eh, I don't really want to go to church anymore. I mean people leaving the faith and, and giving the faith, you know, the middle finger on the way out. I'm talking about people like, I hate this religion. I want nothing to do with you people anymore. The amount of people doing that the theological term for that is called apostasy. The amount of people that are leading an apostasy, I've never seen anything like it. And so I set out to find out what was going on in my friends, in some of my family, in some of my peers in my industry of Christian music, in the world and culture. And what I found out was that people don't have a foundation of truth. People don't believe in truth anymore. And they try to build a house but they're like the person building the house on the sand, which is a parable that Jesus tells us in the Bible. And that's what I, I kind of start the book with. 
they're trying to build a house. You're building it on sand. And as soon as the rain comes, it's going to wash that foundation away. And your life is going to crumble. And we see it time after time after time. But here is the good part. And this is what I would say to everybody listening. Wouldn't you love to be able to build your house on a rock, on a, on a foundation that cannot change? Wouldn't you love to hear truth that is real forever? It is truth that never changes. And in a million years from now, if Christ hasn't come back, in a million years from now, people will still hear that truth and recognize it as absolute, unchangeable truth. That is what the word of God is. And that means if you build your life on it, that you will be unshakable even when everyone else is falling apart. That is what the word of God is. That is what the book is selling. Yeah. What do you think has led us to this point, maybe culturally, to where we have that resistance to, to an absolute truth and maybe favor more of the, hey, John, it's your truth, and then there's my truth. And what, what do you think has led us to this point? <laughs> Certainly, it is what you just said. It is uh, it's worldly ideologies outside of the Christian worldview that have overtaken culture. And, and, and what I mean by that is this. 30 years ago in America, you take your garden variety atheist 30 years ago in America, okay, somebody that says, I do not believe in God. I think Christians are stupid. That, that guy, 30 years ago, he still would have had a relatively Christian point of view for what the world is like, meaning he might be atheist, but he still believes that there is right and wrong, that there is justice and injustice. There is such a thing as righteousness and such a thing as wickedness. He still had a, a, an idea that the world that I see with my eyes is actually true. The sun really is coming up. The sky really is blue. That is not the same anymore because the worldly view of postmodernism has become so ubiquitous. It has become so powerful that the majority of Americans no longer believe in the old school Christian worldview. They don't know that they don't believe in that anymore because they haven't been taught about what worldview even is. So the way that they view the world is viewed through a, hey, who am I to tell you how to live your life? Who am I to tell you what truth is? Hey, killing somebody might be okay for you. That's not okay for me. That's a, Rather than saying killing someone is murder, that's it. That's just the way that it is. We've created this, this worldview where, where what you think is okay and what I think is okay. And it, and it comes from postmodernism, which teaches that there is no absolute truth. Everything is going to be relative. And the actual academic term for that is relativism. Yeah. So relativism will tell you that it's relative truth, man. It, you know, nothing is, nothing lasts forever. If it's it, you, what, what you think, I think the sky is blue. It might be green to you. How could I possibly know? So that point of view is you cannot build a life built on that point of view because if everybody has relative truth, then you have relative morality. And another word for relative morality is moral anarchy. That means everyone's going to do whatever they think is right. Well, what happens if I think it's right 
to come over to your house and steal your money because you got more stuff than I do. And what happens if you think that it's okay to kill babies in the womb because some people don't have access to health care? What if I call that murder, but you call that justice? Now we're in a real, a real bad decision. And that's, of course, real, right? Yeah. We all know that that's real. So that's what's led. And that philosophy has come into the church. And the church did not recognize it as postmodernism. And so the church took it on and said, well, maybe you can believe what you believe about the Bible and I can believe what I believe about the Bible. And now that's that's kind of where we're at and why we're there, I think. Yeah. Another thing that uh, that I've heard you talk about before is cancel culture as well. And I would just love your thoughts on uh, and how, and specifically, you know, you've said how cancel culture can be harmful. I would love your thoughts on what is the alternative to cancel culture while still, um, maybe how do you still hold people accountable as well? Sure. Well, cancel culture derives, and I talk about this in my podcast on uh, Cooper yeah. stuff. Cancel culture derives because our gods are at war. Hmm. And what I mean by that is that I have an idea of what morality is. As I just said, I think that abortion is wrong. Well, I don't just think that because I think it. I think it because of the Bible, right? And, and, and we all probably know that argument, which I won't get into. I think that because the Bible tells me so, just like the song says. But my, my friends, my atheists or leftist friends that think that abortion is actually not wrong. In fact, they think abortion is a positive good. Well, why do they think what they think? Well, they have a system of belief and whatever is at the high, uh, you know, the supreme position of why they believe what they believe, that is their God. So our gods are at war. Yes, me and that, per that leftist, yes, we're at war. But really the reason we're at war is because our gods or our principles are at war. Cancel culture comes because the gods of leftism have decided that there are certain things in society that just should not be tolerated. Now, ironically, I also believe there are things in society that should not be tolerated. I think the pornography should not be tolerated. I would like to cancel pornography. So I can agree that I don't, that I don't agree in just absolute 100% libertarian freedom. I would love to cancel pornography, make it where no one could ever view it again. I'm on board. I actually like that. Why? Because my God gives me an idea of what morality is. Well, they're applying the same principle just with a different set of morals from their own God. So cancel culture comes when leftists basically say, you know what? Not only do we want to say that what you're saying shouldn't be tolerated, you shouldn't be tolerated. Why? Because you are basically of the devil, of their ver their version of the devil, if you will. Does that make sense? In other words, it's not just what I believe that's a problem, it's me, because I am an ambassador for what I believe in. So cancel culture comes in and says, we will make society more righteous by getting rid of all wickedness, and you are a part of that wickedness. Christians don't understand, a lot of Christians, how dangerous this is for us, because in the leftist worldview, Christianity is actually an oppressive force. And so the leftists not only need to get rid of what we say, what we believe, they need to get rid of us and stop us from saying it. So our gods are truly at war. How do we survive in cancel culture? We don't shut up. The problem is 
is that a lot of Christians don't want to get in the fight because they think it's mean. And they think it's, oh, we shouldn't be telling them, we shouldn't be telling them that what they're doing is wicked. We shouldn't be fighting back. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is if we don't fight back, it's a, it's a one-sided war where they just overtake us. We need to be speaking out what the truth is. Yes, in love, but also in power and strength. Mm. Uh, another thing that you write about in your book is the idol of cultural relevance as well. And I wanted to just ask you if how do you main the the how do you balance the tension between you know connecting people or connecting with people through the use of culture without necessarily sacrificing on that absolute truth foundation that you were talking about? Mm. I love that question, and I think you just nailed it. Actually, I mean. What you just said, yes. In other words, of course, we have to engage with people. We have to write music or write books or films or lectures or sermons or whatever to engage the culture in a way that they can understand what we're saying intellectually, emotionally, whatever. Mm. The thing that we cannot do is budge on truth. See, I think the church started getting good at connecting in culture but bad at telling the truth. And I think the reason that the church did that is because, frankly, 30 years ago, we were pretty good at telling the truth and not so good at engaging the culture. So we pendulum swung all the way over to culture. And we just said, hey, there are certain things that we're just not going to bring up because they hurt people's feelings. Don't talk about abortion, for God's sake. That's going to make people mad. It's going to freak them out. Let's just talk about Christ, which I love talking about Christ, but you will have to, you will have to talk about the issues, you know, within this, uh, you know, culture war is really the best word for it. So I would encourage Christians not to back down on truth. It's not relevant to lie, right? It's not relevant to not speak the truth to someone because you don't want to hurt their feelings. And it is not loving. And I think a lot of Christians think it's loving to have these conversations. And even though I know in my heart, when I'm talking to like someone that is deconstructing out of Christianity, for instance, if I'm talking to that person and I say something about the truth of Christ, well, I know that when they talk about the truth of Christ, they don't mean the same thing that I mean, because I believe the truth of Christ is literal. It is fixed. He is the only way to heaven. But what they mean, the truth of Christ, is actually just more like metaphysical. That truth can be literal or it could just be figurative. Jesus could just be a picture in their minds. He could just be a picture of like a, a um, some sort of benevolence, some sort of spiritual, bene- Gnostic benevolence. Jesus could just be a, a picture of that when they say truth of Christ. Well, then if we're having those conversations, what some Christians want to do just to keep the peace, is they just go, yeah, it's great. We we both love Jesus, but that's not actually true. And it's not loving to leave it there. I would engage and say, hey, I'm sorry. I just want to say, I don't think we're talking about the same thing. Why not? No, that's good. Uh, one th- final thing that I wanted to ask you is, how do you personally balance the tension between, you know, there is absolute truth and yet there is a God that is so much bigger than we can even understand sometimes. So how do you manage the tension between that and, I don't know if it would be the mystery of God, but how do you manage that? 
Yeah, I think mystery of God's a great way to say it, you know, uh, the mysterium yeah. or whatever the word is. Um, I would probably say, I would say the exciting news for us, this is just so wonderful that God blessed us by revealing himself to us in his word. So we're not left having to, to imagine 100% what yeah. God would be like because he said, hey, this is what I am like. And, he, and we see it in the Old Testament, right? And, and everybody that has studied theology knows this, but it's such great foundational truth. God says, I want you to know that I am a God who is with you. So my name will be Emmanuel. That's what that word means. And so we call him Emmanuel, God with us. That's how we know that God is with me. We have all these names of God. So we have an idea of what he's okay. like. He didn't have to do that. We could still be wandering around, <laughs> wandering around in the desert, not knowing what to do and where to go. But God says, no, no, I'm, I'm going to reveal my nature to you. It is a privilege to read the Bible. And I think the Christian, myself included, we just don't take advantage of that privilege. So that is the good news. But there is the humility that comes in that says, hey, I don't understand everything about God. And even though I love the Bible, I have to know that God would never lie. But that I'm sure there are things about the Bible that I just have wrong. Yeah. You know, uh, not because God lied, but because my my brain's yeah. not getting it right. Yeah. And I'm fallible. And then we we keep the humility of the fact, and this is this is a mind blower, of course, but again, we know that God is infinite. So that means that even when I'm face-to-face -face with God, after I die, face-to-face -face with God, I see him as he is, but I won't know him fully. He's infinite. We have all of eternity to keep finding out more about the vastness of this infinite God. It really is a mind-blowing thing, and it should make us feel small and make God bigger in our eyes because he is indeed big and great and, and frightening. That's a frightening thought, isn't it? A God that you will never fully comprehend even when you're in heaven and in an eternal, in an eternal body, but you'll never fully understand him. Woo, that's, that's frightening to me. Yeah. Well, John, I know that people are going to keep connecting with you, you know, through the podcast and through the book and even, you know, follow, you know, even with Skillet as well, where's the best place for people to go to keep up with you and what's going on? Well, we have two things here. We have Skillet, of course. If you want great workout music, go listen to Skillet on Spotify or iTunes or whatever you listen to music on, man. And um, we keep pretty up to date on Skillet's Facebook page. Skillet's iTunes, is, it's uh, under at Skillet Music. If you want to keep up with me personally, johnlcooper.com. You can buy the book there. You can get other things that I'm involved in that I do there with the, uh, the comic books that we wrote and things like that. And you can get access to my podcast. You can listen to Cooper stuff on anywhere you listen to podcasts, YouTube, iTunes, and so forth. Follow me on Instagram if you like at uh, John L. Cooper. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Great chatting with you. Thank you so much. I think coming out of that conversation, one of the things that has uh, still stayed with me over the past, um, you know, several weeks since we had that conversation, is what John talked about. Uh, whenever he talked about, you know, what is one of the things that has led to Skillet's success, and he talked about 
being radically good at the basics and how the people who were who achieve great things, the people who have experienced um, a ton of success are the people who have really focused on the basics and they have figured out how can I do these things even better? How can I take my skill to the next level? How can I continue to push myself? How can I continue to increase my capacity? And so that's something that I've been, just been trying to figure out. And like personally for the podcast, like one of the things how it has affected me and how I do on the podcast is, you know, I typically uh, roll, will write out uh, many different questions for the podcast. And it has typically, you know, been somewhere around the 10 to 12 range that I do. And so for the last several interviews that I've been doing since I recorded this podcast, one of the things that I've been trying to figure out is, man, how can I become a better question asker? in it. And so I'm trying to force myself to go through, okay, don't settle for the 10 to 12, at least go 15. And I'm hoping that, hey, when 15 becomes easy, maybe I could jump to, you know, 18 or 20 or whatever it might be. And it's not that I even use all of the questions. I'm just trying to think through, man, how can I become an even better question asker through the whole process. And so that's one of the things that has really stood out to me from this conversation. I would love to hear what stood out to you from this conversation. And the best way to probably reach out to me is through Instagram. And my handle would be at Caleb J. Mason. And would love to hear from you on that. And uh, Or if there's something that you would really like us to talk about or that you would love to learn about on the podcast, I would love to hear uh, that as well. And again, Instagram, probably the best way to reach out to me via that. Would love to hear from you and some of the things that you've learned from or some of the things uh, that you're wanting to learn more about as well. So uh, before we get out of there, oh, I do want to say if uh, if you really love this podcast, make sure you subscribe or hit the follow button on whatever platform you use. Leave the rating, write a review. That helps a ton as well. So before we get out of here, one final thing, just want to say a quick thank you to Garrett Oler, who does the editing for the podcast, and Sam Massey, who has provided the music for this podcast as well. And finally, to John Cooper, who is my who was my guest on today's episode. And so, and thank you for listening to the podcast as well. My name is Caleb Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. <laughs>